working nights, I could see him saying, like, no, I normally sleep till noon or whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, last week, then when you, I think it was like 7.50, so 10 minutes before we are going to record Silver Cinema, you said, hey, man, I'm too sick to do it. And I was like, no problem. But then as soon as Jared got on Skype, I was like, yeah, I guess we could have done it later because Jared canceled. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Dragged myself out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much. That's the. It just doesn't take much for him. It never does. Well, unfortunately, I I I couldn't do the element of surprise. I should have, but he might have known something up if I'd been like Jared. Are you recording? Will you make sure you're recording for this? Because I wanted the reaction. I wanted the reaction. <laughs> I didn't get it. I didn't get it on audio for the podcast. So, all right, let's uh. Start with uh, Trouble with the Curve, just because you said you had a lot to say about this one. Which I did say that, didn't I? And now I have to go me. back. Uh, I actually it, took notes. Okay. And, well, I'm hoping that I still have them somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's a good idea. Why are you right next to me? Because you're the first scout I've ever been attracted to, thank God. I'm not a scout, I'm a lawyer. Normally a deal breaker, but I'm all about... Expanding my level of tolerance, self-improvement, etc. Impressive. Thank you. Hey, what do you think about dinner? You mean together? Whoa, that's... It's a little forward, don't you think? But yeah, if you're asking me out, I accept. I'd even consider paying. That's really tempting, but I don't plan on being around here much longer. Gus must have a lot of confidence in you. So what'd you see? Sits back on the pitch. Uses his hips and legs for power. Looks like he has pretty quick hands. You're on your own. You know too much about baseball to be a lawyer. It's a long story. I'd like to hear it. I don't want to tell it. Well, okay, you, you kind of boxed me in with this because... Okay. This is a, um, a very much a throwaway. Uh, let's just do... <clears throat> Some sort of rom-com with Clint Eastwood, even though uh, there's nothing particularly, I guess, romantic in his life at this moment, other mm. than he sings to his dead wife at her grave in a somewhat awkward attempt at melodrama with, with Clint Eastwood. Um, but thank God there's Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake, so we have attractive people trying to balance Work and love, which is a, a staple of the genre. Mainly, though, for the grand gesture, uh, unless you really want to get out on the limb, which we've done, obviously, with our, our Batman series. Uh, Clint Eastwood, this is about as close as it comes to that territory. So I just put it in here. I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Uh, it wasn't a big hit in 2012. I think it's like got like a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, kind of middling reviews. Uh and you fifty one percent, my bad. And then you text me a couple of days ago and said, I have a lot to say <laughs> about trouble with the curve. <laughs> now I had watched this Derek six months ago. Yeah. Seven. Just for eh, I just need something like it was one of those uh I'm at work on break. Mm -hmm. I need something on the iPad that I can watch in pieces just to put on the headphones and just get out of uh you know that workspace for a little bit. But nothing that I ever intended to like, I'm going to do a deep dive on this. I'm going to do a podcast. 
and even so much uh, apologies to our listeners for this one. I'm like, well, I've watched it in the last year. What what do you really need to know? Like Clint Eastwood, baseball, father, daughter, blah, blah, blah. But you like kind of put the fear of God in me with that text. I'm like, oh, God, I have to rewatch this. So I've <laughs> got to be the only fucking person on the planet that, in, I hope at least, in our pandemic year, <laughs> that I did two full watches of Trouble with the Curve, a movie that I had seen before and podcasted on before. You, you put me in such an element of discomfort that I felt I was going to come unprepared. And then I watched it again last night, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why, <laughs> <laughs> why did I feel the need to do this? I didn't do it for Unforgiven. Unforgiven I watched last you summer. You're kidding me. And I'm like, ah, I got it. Unforgiven, Best Picture winner, yeah. Redefined the Western, mm-hmm, Sure. <laughs> Trouble with the curve, though. I'm like, I've got to go back. I need to, I need to go scene by scene. That is a long-winded explanation to say I don't have any notes, Derek, because I <laughs> I went back again and I didn't find anything here. So I want you you tell me what what did you have prepared for this that that scared me so? When I when I mean a um, a list, right? It is it is that in its purest form. It is just an outline of just thoughts that I have. Nothing uh, that's really. Uh, concrete other than oh this moment doesn't make any fucking sense and oh this this whole idea is completely lost to me or this shows how you can take a uh one of the greatest actors of all time and uh give a not so great script uh and can make him look bad right like that scene you were specifically talking about at the cemetery with very little context you know like we get it later right so apparently like it's a song that they they that he used to sing to uh, Amy Adams when she was little, but man, when he he breaks into that, I'm like, God, you can't. I don't know if I can finish this. There, there needs to be a little uh, little foreplay with me. If if Clint, yeah, is going to come in the bedroom and drop your my sunshine acapella, I need a little bit more context. Now I'll, you need to know it's coming. <laughs> granted, he's in a graveyard, and we know he's singing to his wife, so it kind of forces your hand, like, okay, I feel bad for him. It's also Clint, though, because he, this may be the most cliche, tropey, I'm playing Clint Eastwood, the persona performance I think I've ever seen him give, which, he's an old-fashioned movie star in that regard, right. where he really leans into his persona. Uh, now, something like Unforgiven, it's an attempt to break down that sort of screen legend, that icon <laughs> here. It's like, I mean, this is coming four years after Gran Torino. And I read, this is his first acting appearance since Gran Torino. This is like the Gran Torino character, uh, slightly less racist. Um, but still just like the angry old curmudgeon. And, but this time it's in the light touch rom-com trappings sure. where when he belittles people, um, it's played for well he, he's old and he's earned the right to be insulting he didn't have to shape how he was going to play this very much right like he didn't have to read the script and say okay i'm going to need a week well not a week but a month a year right <laughs> to really get you know what the spirit of this character i have to to mold it i'm one no. to bet he didn't read the script twice <laughs> and he's not like me going back like all right let me analyze this material again just someone just bark out the line or hold it, put it on a, a cue card like it's Saturday Night Live, and he can he can do it. Hey there, kiddo. Hey, it's been a while. Wait. Hey. Mind? What are you doing here? Oh, I had some vacation days. Couldn't think of a better place to use them. Only have telephones you could call. Yeah. 
He would have said no. Damn right I would. You should be back home, doing your job, same as I'm doing my job here. If it makes you feel any better, I'm doing it for Pete. He thought you could use some company. Yeah, well, he's wrong. When I see that horse's ass. It must be so rewarding being one of your close friends. I, I wondered if maybe you were coming at this from the fatherhood angle, because hmm. you don't have a daughter, which is, right. you know, it's slightly different uh, relationship, uh, because they do play into it with Amy Adams. She has a speech sort of at the beginning of the film defending her, I guess, right to be in a boys club. In that case, it's uh, with other lawyers. Uh, she's trying to gain this partnership there um, where, you know, she sort of wears that... I don't know if it's a badge of honor, but it's just like, hey, this is just how my childhood was. Like, with much old farts, like in the baseball world, just spitting, cursing, grabbing themselves. Like, I'm used to it all. Right. That's different, obviously, than if it had been uh, sort of a treatise on masculinity. <laughs> yeah, you know, if it was a father son thing where it's like he wasn't, he was some sort of failed athlete or something where he couldn't play in the boys' club. But I did wonder if this is a generational gap from your eyes as a father to where, you know, Clint Eastwood's time, it's almost played like, well, I mean, so what? He was hands off. Like he, you know, she's a girl. What's he supposed sure. to do with a girl? He got stuck with a girl cause the mom died and <laughs> just got shipped off to other people who know about girl things. Until they insert that really <clears throat> very peculiar. I mean, and I had seen this before, mind you, uh, years ago. And I had still forgotten about this whole, uh, you know, diddling kids bullshit when she was much the younger. The movie opens and, with the imagery too of a horse, like a nightmare yeah, horse yeah. charging him. And me and my wife, Brittany had, we'd gone to the movies to see this. So we were one of the, I guess a few opening weekend uh, supporting. <laughs> Not a first for you with this film. <laughs> Clinton, a father daughter story. We were there backing this, but uh, I don't know if she had watched it again since then, but that damn horse mm -hmm. comes up like, click play on the apple tv and she goes oh yeah she's like something really bad happened with that horse or something like some sort of accident like she didn't remember the exact trauma but how it, much that stuck huh it, but it did immediately put her off because she's like mm -hmm. i thought this was a fun like baseball movie with like a love story and it is it, even if that's their attempt to let you know hey there's something there's something deeper something darker in this right. story it's so off-putting initially when they're withholding about that information and it doesn't get any better when they actually cut back to the, let me tell you, Amy Adams, why I had to send you away. It does seem to attempt to work as absolving him of being an absentee mm -hmm. father. Mm -hmm. I don't but think she... so. <laughs> yeah. Think... No, you know, it reminds me of an, uh, and we did an episode on, on Butterfield eight and that scene where, um, Elizabeth Taylor is basically like, and when I was a child, that 13 year old, or that, uh, you know, that, that man, when I was 13, he came and I sit on his lap and I liked it or whatever she says. Right. And you're like, wait a minute, this is really out of left field. No pun intended. And it doesn't really connect with the story. There's no reason for it to really be there in any way. It's not like you said, something that absolves the character. It just feels like it cheapens it. A little bit. It cheapens like the dynamic of their relationship. I would have preferred it if he was like, no, I can't raise a girl. And you have a level of legitimacy for being upset with me all of these years. The movie almost, you can see it kind of working in the cutting room that if they had sort of hedged 
their bets a little bit on maybe we're not going to keep that particular subplot because uh, she, Amy Adams makes an illusion in one of the later conversations with her father that um, the only reason she became a lawyer was to impress him. Um, And there was this weird push pull where he thinks that uh, she is, I guess um, also maybe not proud of his life's work. And she's feeling that he's not proud of what she's doing. And that they never had an honest conversation that while she may have been pulled into the baseball world because he didn't know how to care for her and do both things, she also enjoyed baseball as well. She enjoyed that world. And I felt like, okay, that's a little more interesting than um, I almost allowed a, a, a sexual assault to happen. And that made me question whether or not I could be a protective father to you. So instead I chose baseball. I'm like, well, if I'm, if I'm going to pay attention to how this guy throws a curveball, I can't be constantly keeping my goddamn eyes on you to see if some dude's trying to put his hands on you. That, that's kind of how that plays where it's like, well, that's not really protective. That's just saying right. that I can't do both. And I really like this game more than I like uh, keeping an eye out for you. It was more important that I be here. No. It's all right. No. No, I'll deal with it. I'll... No. God, I worked my ass off so you could have more, and you gotta throw it away at coming to a garbage can like this. That's no life for, for a girl. That's no life for a kid of mine, living out of suitcases and visiting every shitball town in the area. That's not what I wanted for my kid. Well, I guess what I wanted didn't matter. You don't even like baseball. I love baseball. You know I love it. I never even wanted to be a lawyer. I did that for you so that you would be happy with me and that you would approve of me and then maybe you'd keep me around. I did what I thought was right. I just didn't want you to have life in the cheap seats, They were the cheap seats. Spending every waking moment with my dad watching baseball, eating food that was no good for me, playing pool, staying up too late. Those were the best seats in the house until you sent me away. Well, I was just doing the best I know how. Only a coward leaves their kid. Well, you don't know half of what you think you do. Okay, then tell me the other half. God damn it, Dad, talk to me. Dad, talk to me. Please. Do you remember years ago, down in Mobile, Alabama, they had the horse running around the field? Yeah. They used to keep that horse in the trailer down outside the bullpen gate. Anyway, I was talking to this kid I'd signed. Tell him there's no place for him in the big leagues. And all of a sudden, I realized you were gone. And I couldn't find you. I was panicking. I saw the shack there. I went. I went over and looked in, and, and there you were, this guy hand on the back of your shirt. I don't remember that. Yeah, how could you? You're only six years old. I sent you out, and then I started beating the shit out of this. 
this guy. I smashed his head against the wall. I started hitting him with everything I had. I strangled his ass. Finally, he passed out. Oh my gosh, Dad. I kept waiting for the police to come and arrest me, but they never did. And that's when I sent you out to your aunt and uncles because I thought they'd take better care of you. I thought I'd failed you. Your mother died a year before, and I was a mess. You have to understand that. Can't you understand that you sending me away wasn't protecting me, it was rejecting me? And I've been working really hard to not let anyone else get close enough to me to do that again, and being alone really sucks. Well, you might just have to give me a little slack on that because I just can't change. You never tried. I just a broken down old man. And you ought to get as far away from me as you can. Can't you just do that? Yes. I can do that. In reality, it, 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 like I said, it highlights uh, in a damning way his priorities. <laughs> it's not, man, I, this happened, and because I care so much, I'm going to send you away to an aunt or whomever. Uh, it, it's the, I am so aware, I'm so intimately aware of, of the game of baseball on such a level to where, you know, the certain smack of a bat or, or how a pitch is thrown, I can hear it. And I am so lacking in that same level of awareness as it pertains to my relationship with you. Like, he somehow understands baseball on that level, but doesn't even get that his daughter enjoys the sport. Like, wouldn't you, if, it, it's just like anything else, right? If I really, really have a great appreciation or a love for something, and I'm around you and you like it too, I'm probably going to pick up on the fact that you're also interested, right? It, it could be small conversations that we have, the slants in which our, our views kind of matched up or didn't match up. Like with film, we're able to talk about it on a certain level. It's like, oh, this friend of mine also likes this. So you're sitting with your daughter and you've had interactions with her and she knows the same like sound of a baseball hitting a bat that you do. And you don't get that. This is something she also loves. I, I, I don't get that. There's a weird isolationist sort of tone to the, mm. really the entire film when it comes to the sport itself, which I don't. Uh, I have mixed feelings about it now. Certainly, I think when this film came out in 2012, <clears throat> I thought the Clint Eastwood character John Goodman. I thought they were all fucking idiots. Like they, <laughs> they, they come in and uh, Goodman even says as he interrupts Eastwood. I guess going through his thousand newspapers and box scores and God knows what, he says something like, "Yeah, oh, you know, you can do that faster now on the computer." And Eastwood's like, "What else is it going to do? Tell you how to scratch your ass or something?" And they both just chuckle like, "Absurd!" Like. <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, yes and no. You're, you're, there's two different points being made there. Uh, I think what Goodman was saying was, 
hey, you could uh, consume less time <laughs> if you just yeah. well, you could be more efficient <laughs> for us who you work for. You're right. Um, but what Eastwood is saying is, uh, you know, you can't just stare at a computer screen. You have to go watch. Well, you can have both. You can. He's right. not saying that you can't have a personal relationship with these players, which is what makes him look like a worse father in the film that he's arguing that these baseball players are not robots that you can't just look at the stats and project them out to do X, Y, and Z that you have to understand uh, that this one character is missing his family. I think it's played by Clint Eastwood's son. I think is the baseball player he goes to visit mm. who must've gotten his mother's genes. Cause he is, a, a small statured man. He's yes. a tiny little thing, but Eastwood is willing to go that far to like, let me be in tune with what's affecting them in the game from the outside right. world. But you're right. When he has those sequences, not only with his daughter, but even with the other fellow scouts, they don't even seem to enjoy one another's company or mm. have much in the way of discussion about the game that they're watching. No. Like, they talk about any number of other things, arguing over, <laughs> Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. or the merits of Ice Cube as an actor, but they re you don't ever really hear them talking much about baseball, which I also found odd. It's it's in keeping with that sort of get off my lawn type persona of his, where it's I like this thing, and anyone else who likes as much as me is someone that uh, I must distrust because they're encroaching on my territory. This is my thing, not yours. Like he doesn't want to share that with his daughter or really anyone else. I wonder if the perspective they're going with then is almost like a, I'm plagued by the amount that of, of effort and energy and time that I've invested into this. And so it's great that you love this, right? Maybe, maybe he is actually quite aware of her level of investment, but he just knows that that's not a life that he wanted for her, right? Which is, again, taking that, that same uh, vantage point of why I would send you away. <laughs> <laughs> so like, maybe I'm letting him off the hook by that very by that very argument. I do find it somewhat interesting that there are moments uh, in which I do kind of agree with him. And maybe you were talking about like if it's the relating to the the parent thing that I agree with him. But I think that the the story doesn't want you to right. It, it wants it to to highlight another moment in which he's disconnected from his daughter or he's. Uh, kind of carved into these old school, old generational ideas. Just like when she's at the bar and that guy is being rapey. Like, like that guy that he's like, he puts, he still, puts hands on her. He puts hands on her. And I can't imagine a world in which a father, I don't care how old you are, would see that and not be like, all right, you son of a bitch. Like, I got to do something about this. I, I can't imagine a friend even like if you went to a bar and it was a girlfriend, but not an actual significant other. And you saw that, that you wouldn't have some sort of issue or want to do something about that. And me... instead she's like, thanks dad. Let's <laughs> the game. Hey, you want to dance? Not really. Come on, one dance. I don't think so, Dick. <laughs> it's Rick. Sorry. Come on, one dance. It wouldn't hurt anything. I mean, after the beating, I just took. I mean, I just... Yeah. You want to touch her again? I'm going to rip your fucking face off. Whoa, whoa, hey, Gus, take it. Look at this. All right, all right, all right. I saw you touching her. Now get out of here before I have a heart attack trying to kill you. I think I'd like to see whoa, that. Whoa, 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 hey, enough. Hey, you know what? This is my dad, and, uh, hey. That's my sister, and uh, 
We like to get a little crazy every now and then, especially this one. Come on, get out of here. I don't think so. You want to kill a guy because he touches my arm? I had him, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. You had him good. You had him good. Hey, sorry about the kiss. You know, I just never had a sister that looked like you. No, I can take care of myself just fine. Okay, something tells me pretty well, too. You know what? You got what you wanted. I'm going to bed. Leaving the bar. Leaving the bar. To set the record straight, I am 33 years old. I've been taking care of myself for a long time. I can handle a guy in a bar. He was bothering me. After all of these years, after everything you could be bothered about, it's that. Look, I don't need your help. I don't need to know why you're here. I don't know why you just don't go home. Because, in spite of you, I feel this dysfunctional sense of responsibility to make sure that you're okay. I know I'm... As blind as a slab of concrete, but I'm not helpless. I'll put a bullet in my head when that happens. That's comforting. As always, it's been really great talking to you. I've got half a beer back at the bar that won't argue with me. Yeah, right, Gus? Yeah, as if uh, his outburst, which, I mean, he does he does break a bottle and <laughs> threaten to... <laughs> I mean, he, he takes the next step, but he's also, I don't know, 40 years older than this man. Like, I, so I sure. guess I'm, I'm willing to excuse that because, you know, he has to. You may need that broken ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Clint Eastwood in his prime, probably not so much, but um, yeah, it's like she looks at his outburst is not there in a protective sense, but only there to embarrass her enough to get her to leave the bar like he right. just he goes over the top just to make a big production of it so that she can no longer stand there and you know play pool or whatever i want to introduce i guess the, the the romance in the film here with justin timberlake kind of in that sequence who i think does for the most part the more realistic thing where you just get in between and try to de-escalate sure either with jokes or but you're physically standing in between people and you know i don't get the impression that timberlake wants to actually fight anyone but he's also not going to allow this to go any further with amy adams now where it gets a little tricky is he introduces uh them as a family where eastwood is his father and amy adams is his sister and then he just plants one on her that's the worst like pickup line moment in history also de-escalating moment you, yeah, de-escalation with uh, the suggestion of incest. I, I don't understand. I mean, what is that man supposed to make of what's transpiring? I mean, first off, you have Clint Eastwood suddenly at your throat with a bottle, <laughs> and then one of the members of NSYNC is supposedly making out with his sister in front of you. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess your senses are just overloaded where you just walk off, and sure. like, I'm not investigating further. I guess that was his attempt. Like, if we do a level of crazy, that guy would just be like, yeah, this is fucking weird. I don't care. I'm going yeah, to walk off. It's, I mean, it's, it does earn Timberlake something more than, you know, Michael Keaton just yelling at Joker saying, let's get nuts. I mean, he does get to kiss Amy Adams, uh, who doesn't really get him back for it until he like brings it up. He like wants to reintroduce it. Like, Hey, sorry. You know, try to do a little improv and just got, <laughs> just got away from me. there. <laughs> Introduce the fact that I'm your brother, but also forgot that the very next second. 
Um, but what what do you make of him? Because he's he's also like a rom com staple as far as this persona, where he is laying it on super thick. As far as uh, once <laughs> once he, I mean, once he lays eyes on Amy Adams, it's like he's going to make his intentions known every other breath that I'm flirting with you. I'm flirting with you. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm bantering with you. I'm bantering with you. And at times it does feel like Timberlake and Amy Adams are in two totally different movies as far as how they're <laughs> handling it. Like it's almost like she's playing a real person and Timberlake's like, mm-hmm. no, we're in a rom-com here. I'm, right. I'm doing my rom-com bit. I'm not saying either one of them's wrong. The chemistry is strange between the two. Is of them, it the though. chemistry or, or the, the shifting in tone or maybe both? Yeah. Well, maybe that's going back to what you're saying as far as yeah. you can get together a talented group of actors, but if you're giving them varying, uh, degrees, I guess, of direction as far as th- this is what I need from you in this scene. And then you go to sure. the other person and say, okay, I need you to be thinking about, uh, you know, the heartbreak you have over abandonment from your father. And, and then Timberlake, you're like, I'm going to need you to clog in the scene. Can you do that? And he's like, oh, I can oh, clog, man. all right. <laughs> clog my ass off. I'm going to show you. Uh, you know, you said that, uh, you know, this is like a pretty much an Eastwood playing Eastwood. Uh, and I, kind of get that the only person i really feel like is acting in this movie is amy adams yeah like i I feel like justin timberlake this is this is justin timberlake uh even like matthew lillard this is every bit of like (laughs) douchebag level matthew lillard (laughs) and it it, 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 it like it throws me back to like my um uh like childhood years of watching uh what's that uh what movie this is he in where he's like the mtv boyfriend do you know what, uh, like... Teen... Oh, She's All That? Is she's that... All That. Yeah. I've hated him ever since that very moment. So, <laughs> so not even likable in Scream? Because he was, he was played yeah. as... Yeah, it's okay. I mean, he's fine, but because the She's All That, like the stealing of the girlfriend, that doesn't even matter either later on. I've hated him ever since. Hmm. Well, I mean, he's playing... Uh, you introduce him as, like, the ultimate uh, douchebag here. <laughs> A character mm-hmm. named Philip Sanderson, which... I don't think, you know, Justin Timberlake's Timberlake's character was never going to be named Philip Sanderson. Like the romantic lead will never get that. No. Uh, Instead, he is what? Like the flame or whatever? Like Johnny Flanagan? Yeah. Johnny. The flame Flanagan. Uh, (laughs) Did you, on that note, did you buy Timberlake as a a former pitcher? No. 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 And I, I found it. And this was when I was telling you I had notes. These are the kind of notes I had writing the word cringe like three different times. So like when he pulls up and those kids are playing baseball, the only thing that's actually funny about that is the fact that like when he comes to his level of awareness that they're like, man, you're creepy. Would you please leave? That's the only part of that whole scene where I was like, okay. But while he's like calling it, oh God. I wonder how differently that scene plays where, I mean, first off he's in, you know, his nice convertible car, um, and he just sees kids playing in a field, which, I mean, I make, I would probably make note of it if I was driving by, in particular with baseball. If I, sure. if I saw a group of kids, like, pulling a sandlot, I'd be like, wow, that's something I don't know if I've ever seen in my life. Since, you know, Us. I was... We did that once. <laughs> yeah, since, you know, I would play baseball, uh, I don't think I've ever stumbled across others uh, doing that when it was not an officially sanctioned Little League game. So I, I would make a note of how sort of quaint and sort of Americana right. that is. He takes another step, which, okay, he he pulls over, which he pulls over by himself, which means you're already in dangerous territory as, I was about to say as a man, but I guess even as a woman too, because certainly there's enough evidence of 
high school teachers and God knows what having relationships with uh, children. Sure. So any adult that's not, Hey, uh, let's take a picture of these like kids playing baseball. That is maybe from the community, like wanting to put it in like the town newspaper or something like that. A complete stranger just passing through town with no association with them. Um, he pulls over and that's not good enough. He has to like (laughs) call the game that they're playing. Like they're calling themselves a rod and Josh Beckett. And then he's like, yeah, I can play along with that. I can be the announcer for this playtime happy hour. <laughs> it just, I wondered how differently it would have played. Because clearly it's already creeping me and you out. I think in the movie it's supposed to be like, oh, he's so zany. Mm-hmm. Isn't he silly? And they introduce the fact that he wants to be a broadcaster. So he's just seen it as a time to get some reps in <laughs> on calling game. Just as like, to watch doing... the game on TV and mute it. How about that? <laughs> well, do the normal. Less creepy. Get on YouTube. How many, how many classic NBA series do you watch? Just, as you said, just watch some old games and practice Ten in the privacy day. of your own home. <laughs> and whatever you do, don't put out the recording on the internet like we do, which <laughs> is totally <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> but... They catch him. They, I think they, there's an off-screen door. See, but isn't that the point, though? Like, that makes it creepy. They catch him yeah. calling their game. Yeah, he's not far enough away. He's, like, right up on the game. He's, like, yeah. on, you know, he's, he's front row for it. I wondered how differently would it play if the film had introduced to us that, well, later on, we're actually going to show you a, an attempted uh, child molestation sequence because <laughs> you, may, <laughs> you may have that thought in the back of your mind, but no, 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 we're going to go full tilt. We're going to actually do it with little Amy Adams uh, later on in this movie. I guess that's why they have to be withholding because if they introduce that in the first nightmare sequence and then Justin Timberlake, the first batch of kids he sees. He drops up <laughs> rubbing his hands together <laughs> and open. And here's, it's like, it's like uh, the back roads of like where we're from, right? It's like yeah, out yeah. in the country. Mm-hmm. There's there's no other civilization. And I just can't imagine as an adult, right, ever doing something. I'm just going to pull up completely normal and have a conversation with you children. I'm not doing that. I feel I'm, I'm not doing that at all. Awkward. Um, so, like, um, I had to return <clears throat> something to the Apple Store recently, which in our little city here, it just, like, recently moved. And is this, is this our new one? Our new one, but unfortunately for me, uh, not only did that put me out of my return window by one day because they shut down for a few days, (laughs) so I knew I was going to have to deal with that, like, all right, come on, give me an exemption, but I show up that first day just to make this return, and because they had moved like three minutes down the road, it was being treated as a grand opening, and people were just coming out of the woodworks just to gawk and stare at the new... (laughs) There's no new products. It's not like there's new iPhones, necessarily. So if people had business to attend to, that's one thing. But people were just coming in to take pictures. And I started to do that myself, just to complain to my wife, like, look at this fucking bullshit. I just want to (laughs) turn this watch, man. And I pull my phone out, and there's a person standing line, they kind of turn, and they're, like, looking my direction, like, right at my phone camera. And then I felt like, you know, now I feel awkward, like I'm taking pictures of people when really I just want to show, look at this line. Look at this crazy line to get in this place. And so certainly Timberlake pulling up to a bunch of kids and breaking out his little microphone, his little tape recorder. Yeah, man. A little self-awareness. But I I guess the character doesn't really have that at all with Adams either. He's just like at 11 the entire time. The entire time. It's like he doesn't... um, It's it's interesting because if you played this film out, the likelihood that their relationship works with their two distinctly different Mm -hmm. personality types, he is very childlike. Right, like it, it is. It's like you said. At all times, it's I'm just gonna go jump in the the lake, 
you know, no clothes on or, or whatever, after just trying to kiss you. And, and she, she says, back. I'll, yeah, she pulls back and she, and he was like, don't worry, I'll wait. And she'll say, how long? And he's like, as long as it takes, <laughs> if it's within five minutes and we're in the water. With Meanwhile, less I'm going gonna, gonna to get naked while I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably just as rapey as everything else with her in this movie. I'll wait forever. Wait a minute, new idea. What if I get her naked first? <laughs> then she'll come to me. I mean, what would he have done if she had been like, no, seriously, dude, I said, I'm not ready right now. The movie ends. <laughs> dry off, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a very awkward dry off, I would assume that. So it's it's his whole character. He's just kind of not very... I mean, he's not like a critical thinker about, and that's not what he's being asked to play, like to do either. And I get that he is supposed to just be like the escapist fun for this woman who's dealing with her dad issues and dealing with like the the background with the with the job stuff. So she's just a very serious career woman with some personal issues with her father, and he's he's unco- he's not very complicated, right? And that's and that and that's you know how they want that played. But because they're so different and tonally things are so off, that's why we're like, okay, this this also doesn't match. I don't I don't see how long that works. It, it was interesting rewatching it with my wife because I I'm actually a big fan of some other <clears throat> movie podcasts that, that tackle rom coms. I mean, one, uh, it's less room for snobbery, and I mean, a film sure. podcast, you know, it's pretty easy to get into that territory. And so if you're telling me, hey, we're going to talk about romantic comedies, I feel like, you know, talk about de-escalation there. It's like, okay, I can get a little more comfortable. We can have a little more fun with this. So there's different ones. One in the title alone is called Rom-Com Killjoys. And so, you know, they're saying we're going to sort of, you know, defang this a little bit in a playful way. There's another one called Falling in Love Film Montage, which is a, a trope of the genre. Same thing, uh, a little snarky in, in their uh, their discussion of you know, Nicholas Sparks movies or whatever. Sure. And then one that I was just on was just called, uh, 300 passions, uh, which is about the, I guess the AFI list of the, the movies that were nominated, but didn't make the 100 years, uh, 100 passions. Uh, and I listened to those and I enjoy them cause I, I enjoy the almost, um, I don't really enjoy bad movie podcasts in general of just like, let's find the, ultimate shit and shit on it again. <laughs> right. Like, because I do think that there needs to be a level of meeting the film at its, its general aims. Uh, so watching it with my wife, she actually had the opposite <laughs> track of what we do where she, she felt like Amy Adams was the one that was kind of bringing the whole rom-com thing down. It's like, you, it's hmm. like uh character. You realize you're in a romantic comedy, right? Like, <laughs> so she sees Justin Timberlake doing all that, basically shadow boxing with himself with the, the tropes of the of the genre and she's like wow uh, amy adams is it much fun in this movie is she and i found that <laughs> i found that interesting because i'm it is a, a a heightened level of flirtation that you're used to uh whether it's you know matthew mcconaughey and kate hudson uh jennifer garner mark ruffalo where it's like both parties need to be some level of, of playful and it is right. it is weird but this this script is weird as far as the way they handle the the father daughter melodrama and then how that has i guess affected her relationships with with men in a way um they do no favors to her fiance at home who is like her mr. Wa- oh i forgot about him <laughs> like yeah mr practical like i would like to uh 
uh, get married to you because I think that uh, financially and personality-wise, we are the same uh, robotic uh, functions in society. So what See, do you I think? I don't like them shitting on him. That's exactly how I propose <laughs> to my wife, she'll tell you. Well, you all, I guess, are that. in the same field. So, yeah, you, I you can go. see that, that uh, coming up. But they clearly are putting him there as uh, boring McBorgson. And then right. you have Justin Timberlake. And I think that you're used to that with romantic comedies where it's like, clearly, there's a, unless it's a movie primarily focused on a love triangle, on like which will be picked, you introduce nameless dude at one dinner scene and then a phone call clearly the movie wants you to go just and it shows you just enough about him to know that he's not like a great he can't clog we know it yeah he's no (laughs) no two left feet for that guy uh i see actually you know i see what your wife's talking about and i'm not entirely sure like it's a our, our kind of shared vantage point or hers because again i think it ultimately just comes down to like the the direction is just all over the place like, you could have very easily just been like, all right, Amy, like, like we know the things that you're going to say back to him, but just, like, have a little twinkle in your eye. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> it didn't appear as though she even really gave a shit until the very end. <laughs> and then she's asked to give a shit. And also, I think part of it, again, goes back to the, how much of, of this is like a romantic comedy, really? Right? Like, is it, it it's, is it a sports drama primarily that then has... You know, you know, the secondary or tertiary theme of being this romantic comedy. The sports stuff it, kills me. Um, I, I know you're not a big baseball guy, uh, but, it, you know, the like I said, the beginning of this, I'm kind of with the whole, okay, we can crunch the numbers and try to right. treat this like a business where we're not just sending uh, a bunch of uh, grumpy old men out to then, like, kind of... <laughs> call us idiots and just hang up on us on the phone like uh don't take him because i don't like the way that the sound he makes <laughs> when he puts his batting gloves on that sort of thing like you have to have a little bit more nuance to it obviously but you have a character like matthew lillard who is so much like the wannabe fiance at home is like watch a baseball game why would i do that I have a computer <laughs> like it's it is so extreme uh, so much so that when he, he uses a certain terminology that people may have heard on ESPN, but the way he's using it, I can't ever tell if the film is putting it in his mouth to make him, you know, so that other people can perceive him as an idiot. Like he's using the mm. wrong terminology. Like he calls this fat power hitting baseball player, a five tool player, which, you know, part of the five tools includes some speed and defense, which, uh, this, chunky uh redneck white mm. <laughs> like they would like i love david ortiz as a player he, he was he was not known for his speed and defense but that was fine you know he, he was a designated hitter uh but i can never tell if the film is or you know putting those terms in his mouth to so other characters can be like he doesn't even know what he's talking about Hmm. Or if the the film itself is misusing them, <laughs> so yeah, the film is incredibly smart in that one that singular particular uh, manner, or they really don't know what the fuck they're talking right. about. I as can't a tell. <laughs> that's damning about the entire movie. <laughs> if that's our analysis in that regard, so you're talking about the director here. I think this is his only. Um... No, okay, so he just had another film come out in 2021. The Marksman, the Marksman. Which, uh, 
Hmm. Is that a Liam Neeson movie? Yes, it is, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, There's a con- tone in your voice when you said that. <laughs> well, oh, God, another one. <laughs> Liam Neeson is kind of in that, like, John Grisham novel phase with his film yeah. titles. It's The Commuter. It's, you know, this, that, the other. The uh, I think there was one, The Honest Thief, that just came out last fall. And so, just generic title that doesn't really tell you anything other than uh, a man will do something else to another man that involves violence. That's, Can't you see you off kind of like off of taking a movie that comes out with him just called The Given? Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> what, the, what is that? There was a, a funny uh, short story uh, from BJ Novak. Uh, he, had, he had a collection that came out. I don't know. It's probably been like seven or eight years now. Yeah. Uh, I listened to it on Audible uh, way back when it released. And, the story I believe was called the, the, and it was <laughs> about a fictionalized version of Grisham who, uh, put a placeholder cause he hadn't come up with whatever the was going to be. And they just printed it and critics going back to that sort of film podcast snobbery, uh, said he was like breaking the form and commenting on his own work when it was a total accident and a total fuck up on his part. Uh, I'm sure he appreciated that. Liam Neeson would as well. This director though, was the assistant to Eastwood for many films. He was an assistant director hmm. on Mystic River, American Sniper. So clearly this was a... Was favorite. he not taking notes at any point? Well, that's the interesting thing about Eastwood is um, he, and I, I probably shouldn't uh, speak uh, his name, but Woody Allen and Eastwood are kind of similar from my understanding as far as how they are on set, which hmm. is they think all the work is done with the people they hire and... They do as few as takes as possible so they can get home and take naps. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fair so enough. I, maybe, I can get with that. maybe you're, you know, what you're saying here as far as this guy taking notes, there probably wasn't a lot of hands on like mentorship as far as, right. well, just cast Amy Adams and got a clogging sequence, bring in Timberlake and they can do their thing. I, tr- I trust they know what they're doing. So just point the camera that way. I forgot about Robert Patrick in this movie. You know, I honestly, feel like this needs and deserves a rewatch. Well, I did it for this. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going to have like these deep, like nuanced takes. And it was really just like, ah, uh, I didn't Complaints. like that scene. That scene's kind of silly. It's actually <clears throat> kind of against my, uh, uh, this is pre pandemic, but it was one of my resolutions at the beginning of last year, which was to really utilize Letterboxd and just try to knock off as many movies. Even if I had seen them before, let's just right. get them, documented on this you know long after i'm gone all of my pithy little thoughts on movies will be on letterbox until it's you know bought up by i don't know twitter and then they dissolve it but so there's very rare times where within the like last two years when i've really used letterbox hardcore where i'm like i'm gonna rewatch something because i'm thinking i could be crossing yet another movie off the list of the you know tens of thousands (laughs) but now trouble with the curve sits in that rarefied air of like my own personal letterbox criterion collection of the ones that I've watched twice and logged <laughs> in the last two years. And I think for my review, I'm just going to tag you and just say it's his fault. You should. He said this was deserved a rewatch. I th- did you, the, you know, <clears throat> cause we obviously hadn't spoken anything about this film before actually hopping on today. Did you think that this would be a film that I would enjoy? No. Um, like I said, you're not like, it would be, well, I don't know. Depending on how you look at it, I would, I would think 
before I actually watched it. So, so going back to the theatrical release, I would say, well, I would probably have a greater chance of liking it because it's a baseball movie. And, sure. you know, sports movies in general, it's not like if you're a huge sports fan that they get a lot right. Because it's, it's, you know, meant to appeal to a broader audience who have some idea of what the basics of the game are. They usually get in trouble when they get into the weeds. Now, I'd say something like Moneyball with Brad Pitt, which is a movie about getting into the weeds. That's one. That's why it's one of my favorite sports movies because it's it's hmm. just diving right into it. It's about right. the sport. It's supposed to be smart right. about it. Yeah. This one where that's just the backdrop for a romance and a, a reconnection among a father and daughter. I'm, I'm not going to nitpick them too much, uh, but <laughs> that being said, having seen it, I thought, oh, I don't, I don't think this is Derek's bag <laughs> at all. <laughs> I don't think this is for him. <laughs> Not that it would offend your baseball sensibilities. I I just thought, like I said, the parenting aspect of it. Yeah. I did not think that you would be won over by Timberlake's charm. I, I didn't really know if there was any, I mean, the fact that you shout out Robert Patrick, it's kind of evidence in my case where you're like that. <laughs> Robert Patrick. <laughs> hey, he's the reason to watch again. Um, I did remember locking it more and maybe I wasn't watching it with any sort of, you know, critical eye to, to hop on and discuss it on a podcast, the first watch. Um, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Justin Timberlake, Amy Adams. And I'm, my wife didn't rewatch it with me, but I told her that I was wa- watching Trouble with the Curve. And um, she was like, have I seen that? And I was like, yeah, that's the one with uh, JTM, you know, because I do like Justin Timberlake. I, oh. I say his name like that, you know. Uh, do you like uh, Friends with Benefits? Have you seen that one, you and your wife? A while ago. It, I mean, years i feel like years and years ago um, i find that one to be kind of a, a guilty pleasure for me um really yeah i have watched that in the letterbox years so that would be yet another criterion if we ever got around to discussing it of the so you're just doing deep dives in j tim j tim films at it's this interesting point. like because i i actually remember in that one thinking like oh yeah he could be like a he could be a movie star like i mean it's not it's gonna be i haven't seen this apple tv thing that just came out the uh palmer like mm. I think that's like a. It looks very much like what Ben Affleck did last year, like a sports melodrama, like a former athlete, like has to I don't know inspire kids in some way. So I don't know if it's, he's a coach or whatever. Um, I I say that that it's it's probably not a good look for those those new films that are being beamed to services that I have. That I'm like, well. I'll get to it, but first, round two of Trouble with the Curve in the last six months. Like, I don't know if you're that way. I do find myself watching random bullshit as opposed to the new things they're hyping up because if it's on a streaming service, it almost doesn't feel real. It feels like, yeah, okay. Right. I can get to it whenever. Whereas if it was maybe a theatrical release, like that Ben Affleck movie, I went out to see that. Right. I think that was the last movie I watched before everything shut down. And if it had been an HBO original, I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, sure, it'll be there when I need to see it, but... It, it's that I, I have a certain window of time in which to, to enjoy this experience, right? And if I don't, I'm going to miss out and I'll never see it again in that in that format. Now it's, it is, it's kind of one of those, uh, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. It's weird, and though, I, because yeah. it's not like the conversation <laughs> for any of these things where if I went to work and talked to normal people... I'd be like, well, I know we're all going to have a discussion about that Ben Affleck basketball movie because it's on the tips of everyone's tongue. <laughs> it's only in my skewed mind because I love movies. I think, well, that's the talking points this week. That's what we've all been designated. And that's something the pandemic, I guess, changed where 
Yeah, you mentioned something like I guess WandaVision, something like that, is maybe the closest to it. Uh, because I've not seen a single episode, and I feel like um, I feel like I have no spoilers, but I don't even know enough about the show to know if it's a spoiler. But just yeah. loading up, that seems to be the water cooler stuff in that regard. <laughs> but getting back to trouble with the curve, this was never, <laughs> this was never in the pop culture lexicon. It actually surprises me that you had even seen this before already, because I just don't remember when it came out. Like if you saw it that weekend, you you talked about it with whoever you dragged to the movies in the lobby. And then after that, I don't think I ever it's had a done. conversation with a real person about it. I think it was one of those, uh, you know, it's a not in with your, I think it was like the first year my wife and I were even married and we were sitting there just trying to find something to watch. And I was like, Oh, Clint Eastwood movie. That's also a romantic comedy. This must be enjoyable. That kind of thing. If you, but you're right. Unless you were actually like seeking out, a romantic comedy, and that's what's popping up on your Apple TV. Who who who's seeking this out? Um, it's you, unfortunate too, because I mean, they're the the you know Timberlake, Amy Adams, Eastwood. You would think this would work, right? Like if I'm looking for a romantic comedy, Amy Adams and just I mean they're good looking people, like we kind of alluded to earlier. Obviously, why doesn't this work? Um, I can tell you for the structure of our show. Um, when we're not doing uh, Batman specific talk, <laughs> the title of it being the grand gesture, it doesn't really have a fucking grand gesture other than showing up again. Hey, outside. <laughs> what? You're right. Actually. Like what the fuck? Because Amy Adams that, apologizes yeah. to him and tries to say, all right, you know, we're from a rival team. Um, as a Red Sox fan, I think I hated at the time that the Red Sox had the number one pick. Cause I'm like, oh, bullshit the red sox never be bad enough to have the number one pick and now in 2021 i'm like well yeah maybe they will have the number one pick this year you know it's it's come around to those those dark days but um you know there's this whole dynamic between they're sharing information um he's working for the red sox they're working with the braves who have the second pick and i guess it's like a heightened version of like a fantasy draft where they're like this possible gamesmanship but they don't ever play it that way. Like Timberlake never plays it like that. He should even have the smallest measure of distrust that maybe they're lying to him about the abilities of this guy right. so that he'll fall to their team and he'll mess up. But it plays out that way. It plays out, even though Eastwood and Amy Adams are being honest, like, yeah, this guy's going to be a bust or whatever. We're trying to help you out. Um, their own organization, you know, the Philip Sanderson, <laughs> the dullest, whitest name alive, Matthew Lillard. Um, you know, he, he says, no, he's what he can't, he's blind. And, uh, I did get an audible reaction from my wife when he's like, well, he's blind. He can't see. And then we're not going to take the opinion of a girl. <laughs> like, you know, Cause a girl's just as bad as a blind man. When <laughs> scouting baseball. <laughs> Isn't that the problem? Though? It's so cheap. Like every character is just—it's a stereotype. It, like he plays a stereotype of some asshole um, who's not very progressive as it pertains to a woman being in the same room in 2012, right? Like this isn't like a film from like 1943 where it's like, ah, woman, why is she here? Ah. Like it's not—that's not what we have here. And the fact that they they play that up. Those are some of the things that, that actually really annoy me more than I the more I think about it, just like that, the baseball player that they're going to watch, who's, you know, I mean, he's the guy, right? Like he's the, the girls are, you know, pulling their shirts up for this fat kid. When he walks in, <laughs> he 
Jeez. I could not stand him because <laughs> it was a, it was no stereotype from the the catcher from the Sandlot. If they were if he just yeah. aged up to being some sort of sex god, which is I guess just attached to how much money they think he will make. But um, yeah, I mean, I had all sorts of issues with that character. I mean, they want the the black hats uh, mm-hmm. in this version of Clint Eastwood Western to never have any sort of shades of gray at all. Um, I will say that, I guess the film's credit, maybe Eastwood's character has a little bit of that because he is, even his fans, even his, the people that support him here, they do think he's an ass. Like they do think he's <laughs> difficult <laughs> to be around. So I guess he does have some shades, but going back to the grand gesture, I just, I'd forgotten that. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember they, mm. they, you know, there's some falling out because of the professional reasons, which in romantic comedies that always happens. Like, you know, the professional life comes into the personal uh, and Timberlake drives away in a huff because he thinks that he's been used in some right. way. And um, do they? I don't think they. Do they have sex in this movie, Derek? Do they even get to that? I don't think they. No, he he has to push for a kiss. Remember, that's about as far okay. As here's he goes. the you know we're getting into guy talk. I guess does he feel as uh, cheap? If he had gotten laid out of it, is he as angry and does he throw a temper tantrum <laughs> or is he, cause the way Timberlake plays that character, I feel like he's already admitted he's doing a job that he hates just so he can get another job. I feel like if he starts sleeping with Amy Adams, he doesn't care if he's going to work at Costco. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he plays it like this is it. Like he's been waiting, which is a lot of pressure on Amy sure. Adams. But it's also like he expresses far more interest in hanging out with her than he does whatever he's supposed to be doing as far as scouting. Right. I I don't know. Because I, I do feel like his character is basically just the uh, like the, the idiot uh, who's fun. <laughs> right? We, we mentioned that. Um, he probably is just thinking like, man, she'd be really nice to just have sex with her. <laughs> and so him being that upset... He should be aware that literally, if you're going to be that mad and go off, you're not going to get to have sex with her. <laughs> and that's probably what happened. He got really upset and was like, I was screwed over. I was bamboozled. I'm so tired of this <laughs> happening to me. I'm super smart. And he leaves in a huff. And then he's driving. He's like, wait a minute. I'm not going to get to have sex with her. I better go back and stand outside and wait. So, and I think he just waited for hours. You were now in a circle. crafting a grand gesture, or at least a thought process on why there was a grand gesture of drive to the stadium. Uh, in this case, drive to Atlanta, uh, to mm-hmm. the ballpark, and just be available. Just be physically available for when she Probably walks he got out. fired from his <laughs> job. He's got all the time in the world. <laughs> I took my last $25 and a sick of spearmint and maybe I'm here. Yeah. He, he filled up the tank and now he's, he's uh Atlanta landlocked. He's, he's there. He's going to find something else to do if she rejects him. But um, yeah. And yeah, the grand gesture ends with uh, Clint Eastwood getting to see his daughter make out with JT, like on the hood it's of their the car. First, it, It's the first sexual experience he has observed with his daughter that was consensual. So he's, so he's not going to kill him. He's not, he's he's not, not breaking him. bottles. <laughs> it is problematic that he's been around for a lot of non-consensual moments with his daughter, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's just how the movie worked. I think maybe, maybe I can change the way I do things. 
You already have. What would they want now? Hmm. Todd's presentation didn't go so well, so they're trying to push my uh, partnership forward. So what are you gonna do? I'll think about it. No, I mean. I said you... I'll think about it. Seventy-seven World Series. Reggie hits three homers in one game. Yeah. Name the pitchers he took deep. You came all this way to ask me that? not a grand gesture and the reason there's not a grand gesture is because it's not really a romantic comedy i go back to that it's it's this silly drama between uh, amy adams and her dad and like the the big grand gesture is really like we found that baseball kid that uh you know the manuel right or whatever i don't remember his name but peanut boy or peanut guy. peanut oh yes <laughs> peanut boy how Fucking smart. Why would you, why would you, I mean, I understand why that character would say it, but uh, in that same sequence, uh, he lit that chubby boy's ass up with those peanuts. As far as when he catches it, he winces. Like, and there's mm -hmm. no hiding the fact that <laughs> he just he just put one on you with that bag of peanuts, and yet you're still trying to peanut boy. His, yeah, because he he's because uh, he's smelling himself that. Uh, <laughs> And that's another thing. You know, I, we've talked about this before. I hate movies that 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 mention their the damn title, like in a wink to the fans. <laughs> Nothing makes me fucking more angry. Oh my god! Okay, I'm remembering now. I take everything back. We're gonna bring this full circle of how you made me watch this again, and I watched this last August September for no reason. I remember you mentioning that. I have a note, so I won't look it up now just for, to keep this short. Uh, under the grand gesture, I thought of, before we went into the Batman series, I thought of doing once a month a film sneaking into you <laughs> that had a title drop. And I made a huge list of movies where a title drop happens just so at least once a month you'd be, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it kills me. <laughs> Look at him, Sam. He's got a trouble with the curve. Oh, God, I got to turn this shit off again. I mean, imagine watching, like, Indecent Proposal. I have an Indecent Proposal for you. Like, what? No. Please don't do that.
Swing. What the hell's going on? I heard it. What? It's your sound. I heard it. Come on, what is this? We don't have all day. Gentlemen, this is Rigoberto Sanchez. Peanut boy? Is this a joke? Y'all gonna waste my time with him? That's it, I'm out of here. I've seen all I need to see. Just hold your ass right there. All right. This is gonna be ugly. Start with the fastball. Yes, ma'am. Nervous? No, ma'am. It's just a game. You're right, Rico. It's just a game. It's like Sandy Koufax. Yep. Combined with Steve Carlton and Randy Johnson, that's not even his best pitch. Show him a curve! Everybody saw this? Gentry's got potential, but he's in our number one pick. Jesus Christ. Gentry knows it's coming, he still can't hit it. Jesus Christ, who is this kid? What are you saying now, jackass? That's known as trouble with the curve. 